Jesus said that when we do his words, we are building our lives on an unshakable foundation. But sometimes the things he says are downright shocking. Today we're going to look at Matthew chapter 5, verses 27 to 30, a passage that describes something often called radical amputation. Whatever causes you to sin, even if it is as useful and precious to you as your right eye or right hand, you must remove it out of your life and destroy it. Because if, in your weakness and apathy, you continue to sin by the use of these means, you will be thrown into a place of everlasting punishment. When it comes to things that lead us into sin, Jesus takes a stance that is strong, uncompromising, even seemingly extreme. The only way that idols are uh, dealt with in the Bible is by destroying them. There's no like, oh, just put it outside, you know, it'll be fine. No, like they were to be burnt, to be crushed to powder, like, utterly destroyed. And this is the same kind of thing that Jesus is telling us here. This is the seventh episode in our series, A Firm Foundation. Thanks for joining us. Here we go. Okay, Austin, thanks for coming back again this week. You're welcome. Um, So we're in the middle of our series, A Firm Foundation. And the point of this series is to help people establish a lifestyle of studying the Word of God. We want to show people that there's treasure in the Bible mm-hmm. that's that's available for us. We want to inspire people to have a hunger for it and then equip them to study. Um, so the passage that we're looking at today is Matthew 5, 27 to 30. And if people have been listening to our podcast for a while now, we're in a section in this series where we're looking at how to repent, mm. right? How to turn from our sin and to turn to God. And so uh, we looked at Second Chronicles chapter 7, humble yourself, pray, seek my face, turn from your wicked ways. And so this passage is kind of a way that shows us how to turn mm. from our wicked ways, mm-hmm. right? So let's just jump into it. Let's talk about context here a little bit. What's What did you learn as you studied? Yeah, so something interesting that I picked up on um, was I believe this is at a time in Jesus's ministry where the popular opinion of him is nearing its peak. Mm. And there's a lot of people following him. Um, and it seems to make sense for the Sermon on the Mount to be given at this point in his ministry, um, and possibly one of his motivations was to help his disciples get some real trajectory for what he was doing, rather than maybe mistaking his ministry and the purpose of his ministry. So I don't know, uh, be that as it may, it was something that I just thought of as I'm looking at this, that. Jesus really wanted his disciples not to be swayed into thinking, oh, like I'm, maybe I'm coming to establish a kingdom on this earth. That's, you know, whatever they their preconceived ideas were. But no, this is actually the way I want my kingdom to run. This is a set of governing principles that my kingdom is going to run on. And I want you to know that. I don't want you to um, be deceived. I don't want you to get some false notions about this. So 
here in this passage that we are looking at, he is giving us another one of those basic principles of his kingdom that he is wanting us to live by. Yeah, that's really awesome to think about it that way because even though our preconceived ideas about what Jesus was trying to do is mm -hmm. probably different than what True. their preconceived ideas would be, we still can be deceived, mm -hmm. right? Yes. I mean, it's really easy for us to think that Jesus is just here to bless us. Mm -hmm. he's, he's here to help our lives be prosperous and fruitful. He's here to sort of be like a, I don't know, like a self-help kind of mm -hmm. counselor, right? Mm -hmm. Like, Jesus, help me live my life so that I, I don't have pain and suffering and so that I'm successful. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, that's very clearly not why he's here, as like you said, demonstrated in this Sermon on the Mount. Um, so I think that that's really good. Like, we have to have the teachings of the Sermon on the Mount and just Jesus' teachings in general, yes. they, they need to be real to us. Yes, they do. We need to have the real Jesus in our minds. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And so this is really one of those things where I don't think we can afford to get it wrong on. Like we need to know this principle that we're going to be looking at has to be one of those bedrock things in us. Like there can't be a wavering on this. Mm -hmm. This is the way it is. It's it's the truth, it's the Word of God, and I can't afford to bend that for myself. Yeah, you know, when I was looking at the context and thinking about, okay, the first century listener, or hearer, or whatever, you know, these people had the law of Moses, and what they had was a way of hearing the law of Moses, hmm. right? So the Pharisees had a way of interpreting what Moses was saying. Yeah. And Jesus comes along and says, guys, listen, what they've been telling you is wrong. Hmm. That's not how God wants you to interpret what you've heard. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot more to the law than you've realized. And it's exactly like you're saying, we can also have that kind of problem. Mm -hmm. we, can, we can listen to sermons online or we can hear really successful, popular pastors saying, this is what the Word of God teaches, but that doesn't necessarily make it true. Mm -hmm. What if Jesus came here and said, you've heard that it was said, mm. but I tell you. Right. You know, like mm -hmm. he's the real interpreter of, of the scriptures. And like you said, we can't afford to get it wrong. Like mm -hmm. if our understanding of the word of God is at odds with Jesus, we're in trouble. Yeah, serious trouble. Yeah. So yeah, um, in this actual passage, something that I was just thinking about and meditating, because um, as I'm going through it, I'm reading it over, I'm meditating on what Jesus said his words and thinking about, you know, the concepts that he's talking about. So verse 27, he says, you've heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. And something that immediately came to mind is, you know, what would 
the understanding have been of these people who were listening to him? Like, what did they think of adultery? Would it have been similar to us in the way that if he was giving that sermon in a church today, would it have had the same effect or drawn the same images up in their mind as far as like their view of adultery? And I think the answer to that is yes, it is very different. Uh, rabbis taught, and I think this is somewhat true all throughout, but adultery is one of the three worst sins that a Jew can commit. It's, wow. This was a very like a no-no kind of thing for sure in this culture, even though probably at this time there's a lot of this kind of thing going on. But as far as the Pharisees taught it, this was huge. You do not ever commit adultery. And, you know, Scripture bears that out as well. Um, something that I thought of was what Proverbs talks about. You know, Proverbs talks about it a lot, at least has several chapters on that. And a verse that really stuck out to me was um, Proverbs 6.32. says, He who commits adultery lacks sense. He who does it destroys himself. And so, I don't know, I think that was really helpful for me to just kind of get it in my mind, like, okay, this is not just, oh yeah, everybody kind of does it, or like, oh well, it happens, so you just kind of make the best of it. But no, like, Jesus takes this very seriously. So adultery is not just maybe some, a watered-down version of what we have in our culture currently. This is huge. Whoever does this destroys himself. This is very, very destructive. So anyways, hmm. enough about that, but um, that's something that I just took out of that first verse. That's um, from the ESV? Yes, that okay, is from okay. the ESV. Yeah, that's what I'm using too, okay. Mm -hmm. So as he goes on um, here, he's redefining what they're calling adultery, where in fact, he is saying this is like he says in verse 28, um, but I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So this adultery is taking place way before the actual physical act, which must have been a shocking, um, I believe, a shocking revelation to them, a realization that, wow, this is a high calling that Jesus mm -hmm. is giving here. Well, okay, so then, yeah, this is really good because, and especially where you pulled in Proverbs 6, 27, is that what you said? Yeah. 6, 27? Something. <laughs> it's somewhere. <laughs> it, um, he who commits adultery lacks sense. He who does it destroys himself. Yep. Mm -hmm. And what Jesus is saying, when you take his definition of adultery, mm -hmm. is that People who look at others with lust are destroying themselves. Yeah. Right? I yes. mean, that's the point. That is the point. And so then like, okay, we maybe in our culture, I don't know that I've ever heard anybody say this, but I do think it was more common uh, like back in the, I don't know, decades ago, mm -hmm. look but don't touch, mm. you know? Mm -hmm. And Jesus is saying, looking is the same as touching. Yeah. You're destroying yourself, yeah. and you will be destroyed. That's, I mean, it's hard for us to grapple with this kind of stuff, but. Yeah. 
That's what he's saying. Yeah, and I think sometimes, especially the way that I had viewed um, sin before coming to the Lord, especially sexual sin, is, well, you know, I'm not hurting anyone, you know. This isn't going to hurt anyone. Um, this is in secret, you know, that extra second glance or, you know, pornography, you know, this is all in secret. Nobody else is getting hurt by this. So I can easily fall for the lie like, well, you know, maybe it's makes me feel bad the next day, but it's not really damaging too much. Like, I can stop this at any point, you know, mm. those little lies we tell ourselves, but it's very clear from this scripture that this is not the way it is. This is not true. There's a very destructive nature to this sin of lusting. Yeah, and, and to your point, right, where I think some people do say that it's not hurting anyone, hmm. and that's a total lie anyway, <laughs> right. which we could sort of get into, but Jesus is saying that it is destroying you, mm-hmm. and do you really want to face the consequences of that? Yeah. Um, yeah, you're treating your soul with such disdain Mm-hmm. to throw yourself into into lustful living. And there's a uh, verse that I'm thinking of. I can't remember which of Paul's epistles it is, but he said, those who destroy God's temple will be destroyed. Wow. You know, And that's yeah. what we're doing when we lust, mm-hmm. is we're destroying God's temple. This temple was given to us mm-hmm. so that it could be a dwelling place for God. Yeah. And when we say, nah, I don't really care about that, I'm, I'm willing to do whatever I want with my body, mm-hmm. God says, yeah, you'll do that at the cost of your own soul. Yeah. Yeah, that actually reminds me of what Paul says in another place about sexual sin specifically. Every other sin is outside the body, but sexual sin is a peculiar type of sin that is especially destructive, he was Mm. talking about. I think that's right before he talks about the temple, our bodies being the temple. Oh, okay. Um, And that really stood out to me as well um, as I'm thinking about this passage that sexual sin is so, it's not just like another kind of sin. This is a very, very powerful thing that destroys and will corrupt me at the core. Mm. And God is telling me that he's making this very, very plain in Scripture that this is not good. Turn away. Turn away. This will destroy you. This will not be good. So, yeah, there's there's a lot of other things I was thinking about as well, but it was very inspiring to me to just meditate through this, think through this, and in way, in some ways, in these next verses, I was just trying to like wrap my mind around what he's talking about when he's talking about, you know, gouging out eyes, you know, losing a member, you know, just trying to like think it through. Mm-hmm. And so these next two verses are really a picture of intense, radical turning away. And so anyways... Something that I like to do in my Bible study is paraphrasing. Um, okay, let's talk about it. That's, <laughs> that's so cool. Okay. So paraphrasing helps me just 
grapple with some of the concepts that are in Scripture and make them somewhat useful to what my vernacular is. Okay. So anyways, the paraphrase that I came up with for the, these two verses, or actually it would be, yeah, uh, 29 and 30, is this. Whatever causes you to sin, even if it is as useful and precious to you as your right eye or right hand, you must remove it out of your life and destroy it. Because if, in your weakness and apathy, you continue to sin by the use of these means, you will be thrown into a place of everlasting punishment. I don't know, this was just something that I came up with before I looked at any commentaries, before I looked at any, like, Greek word studies. And I always, like, hold these loosely because sometimes I'm like, oh, well, that was wrong. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. But... Actually, as I continued to study this, this was very helpful for me because a lot of things agree with this. So, and Jesus talks about this in Mark 9 and in Matthew 18 as well, this very same terminology that he uses, like uh, gouging out your eye, cutting off your right hand. If this is going to keep you from causing one of these little ones to sin, do this. This is the verbiage that he uses for that. Mm, yeah. We're going to talk in a bonus segment about how you study the Bible, but um, I loved just what you did there with the paraphrase, and because it really makes you wrestle with, like, what is the purpose <laughs> of Jesus's words? And then studying commentaries to see, just to make sure that you're kind of on track Mm -hmm. um, but when I looked at these verses, it's like there's two things going on. There's, there's my heart, and then there's my body, hmm. and there's a connection between these two things, and it's like, okay, we know that Jesus is saying that in your life, you are going to wrestle with these fallen desires, mm -hmm. right? Otherwise, he wouldn't even talk about it. Right. So you're going to wrestle with the temptation to lust, but something happens between the temptation and the actual sin. Yes. And that thing is something physical, something material, right? And, and the Lord is saying, deal with those things that are outside of your heart as a way to keep your heart mm. from committing this sin. Yes. Right? And it's, I don't know if I'm explaining that very well, but it's like the lust proceeds from our nature, mm -hmm. but then we use things to do the sin. So our hands or our eyes, and I think that Jesus would extend this to other physical things like laptops, yes. phones, yes. jobs. Mm -hmm. And if there's something in our life that is just constantly an instigator of sin or like we just can't overcome it, mm -hmm. Jesus doesn't say in this passage, well, you just got to deal with your heart. He says, you got to get rid of that thing. Yes. You're not going to overcome by just hoping that you'll be able to overcome the next time. Yeah. 
Well, okay, so the heart is such a deceitful and deceptive thing. So, uh, you know, I can just look back. All I have to do is look back in, at my own history to see this. How many times I was like, okay, this is just, I just have to change my heart. And then, like, all of my devices won't be an issue, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I don't have to cut off too much access. This is a heart issue. So if I just change my heart, everything's going to be okay. But... <laughs> That's my thinking. That's my heart. That's my way of looking at this. And so what that does, though, that, that preserves the idols that mm. often reside with these things. I think that's where Jesus can mm. also be cutting at is often if this thing, whatever it is, is leading you into sin, that's going to be an idol. That's going to be something that's already an issue that's causing you to sin. Um, so by its removal, you have to, in some ways, look at these things as idols. Whatever it is, you know, <laughs> access on my phone to internet, my laptop, whatever it is, um, social media, you can fill the blank, mm -hmm. you know, whatever that thing is, has often gained a status of idolatry in my heart. And because my heart is latched onto that, I will always go back. The only way that idols are uh, dealt with in the Bible is by destroying them. There's no, like, oh, just put it outside, you know, it'll be fine. No, like, they were to be burnt, to be crushed to powder, like, utterly destroyed. And this is the same kind of thing that Jesus is looking at for us here, or telling us here. Yeah, it's really good. Like, because you're right, that's what we want to do is we want to preserve our freedom mm -hmm. to do what we want to do without sinning. Yes. Right? So like, yeah, but I love social media. Mm -hmm. And I love to check in with my friends, and I love to do this or that. And it's leading us into sin consistently. And we say, yeah, but I don't want to give it up. Yeah. I just want to have the sin kind of removed, the sin element removed from it. And mm -hmm. that's, you're exactly right. That is proving that that's an idol. Yeah. Yeah. And something to be mindful of this, again, as we're talking about this, this is very practical. Like, I'm not putting words in the mouth of Jesus. We're not putting words in, in his mouth at all. He is saying this. You know, think about a person in that culture <laughs> This is a farming community. They, they have to be able to physically see. They have to be able to do things with their hands. You know, this is a matter of life and death for some of them. They're not rich people. You know, if this is the head of a household, he's got to be able to work the fields. And if he doesn't have a right hand, that's going to be an issue. Yeah. That's going to be a big issue. So, you know, he's squarely stepping on toes. He's squarely, he's unashamedly like <laughs> blowing through this um, into the heart of this matter. He's not like mincing words here. So right, right. this is, but this is, it's important for us to remember that this is the standard of his kingdom. This is not just an extraneous thing. This is at the core of his, the way that his kingdom is set up. You must forsake sin at all costs, period. And that's offensive. That's very offensive to me in my flesh. 
and what I, I don't want to hear that message, you know? That's what the message of the cross is. It's, it's very, very hard. It means death. It means I have to give up. But it reminds me, you know, as I'm doing, thinking these things, I'm just kind of regurgitating the thoughts I've meditated on. Um, it reminds me of other things that Paul has said, you know, um, specifically in Romans 13, 14, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Romans 6, um, 6, 11, and 12, we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. So, I mean, it's just like, that's like so parallel to what Jesus is saying here. You have to die to your desires. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, this is definitely, this is why, okay, this is another reason, I think I say this every single time <laughs> in these <laughs> shows, but this is another reason why studying the Bible is so important mm. because there is a, a unity to what the Bible says. And as you really immerse yourself in the Bible, you start to realize the overall message of, mm -hmm. of the Bible. Mm -hmm. And if you don't know the word for yourself, you can easily be deceived yes. because there are things in the Bible that seem to say one thing until you balance it with the rest, yes. right? So like, like Paul, when he, in Galatians, he talks about freedom. Mm -hmm. In Corinthians, he talks about liberty, mm -hmm. right? And so then when you start throwing around terms like that, that we're called to, we're called to liberty mm -hmm. um, and we're called to freedom and why should I be bound by another man's conscience? Things like that. Or we start hearing things like that and we say to ourselves, yeah, that's right. I should be able to do what I want. Mm -hmm. yeah. But when you study the word and you realize that those, those things in their context has nothing to do with me being able to do the things that I enjoy, especially if they lead us into sin, mm -hmm. then your eyes come open. It's like, wow, okay, God is not giving me the liberty to yeah. pursue the desires of my flesh and saying, it'll be no big deal because Jesus Christ died to give me freedom. Right, yeah. And just to be clear, we're not like saying, you know, the Christian has no enjoyable things. This isn't right. like innocent kind of things like going to the park, enjoying a good day off with friends, you know, oh, I enjoy it, so it must be wrong. No, these are very specific things that are leading me into sin. And whoever is, you know, we all know what those things are in our hearts, the things that are consistently leading me into the wrong path. For me, it was YouTube. YouTube okay. for me was like, I mean, yeah, it just always, always ended up there for me. And I had to be radical in that. Um, I just could not have access to YouTube 
um, for a long period of time. That had to go. That idol had to go. And that was one of the radical things I had to do in order to get away. So there's a lot of useful things on YouTube. There's a lot of good things that I can find there. So the point of this isn't like you can never enjoy anything. The point is if it is enjoyable to you and you find joy in it, but it's leading you to sin, it absolutely has to go. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah. Yeah. Which let's sort of take the the principle, right? This is very clearly about sexual sin, but mm-hmm. take the principle and extend it out. Um, there are a lot of things that appeal to sinful desires, mm-hmm. right? Um, I'm just trying to think of certain things that would be very appealing, very natural in the human heart. The desire to be culturally relevant yeah. and acceptable, mm-hmm. right, is a very strong desire. And so for some people, they want to spend a bunch of time on the news, they want to spend a bunch of time on sites like celebrity sites. But if that is leading you into a worldly mindset where you want to be pleasing to the world and you want to be um, acceptable to the world system, it has to go. Yeah. Yeah. You know, or greed. Yeah. You know, if if you're all about making money, and you you know like this is wrong. I, I shouldn't be greedy and covetous, but mm-hmm. you spend your time constantly thinking about how to make more money and how to get more stuff. Like it's got to go. Yeah, because those things are fostering. I think that's the that's what Jesus is saying. It's like there's a reciprocal relationship. Your mm-hmm. heart generates the desires, but the things feed the yes. desire and. Those things, those desires will never die until the the source is disconnected from the thing that is feeding it. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think something that we can also fall into in this whole concept is we lack taking responsibility for some of these things. Um, like, oh well, you know, it's. I'm not exactly sure all the cases of that. I'm not, I guess I'm not going to go into that. But basically, something that I, I um, observed about this is Jesus is making it very clear. You are responsible. You are responsible for this. This is not something that God in heaven is going to do for you. This is squarely on your shoulders <laughs> in, in a way. And so obviously there's balance to all of this, but in this specific case, he is putting this responsibility on us. What are you going to do with that? You know, mm. What are you going to do with this? I have given you the truth. You must forsake. But what are you going to do with that? It's up to you. I'm not going to do that for you, that sort of a thing. So it's very clear that this is my responsibility. This lies with me, and I need to take that serious. Yeah, and one thing I was thinking about this morning, I don't know if I wrote it down, but... Um the order of okay if we if people have been watching and listening this whole series the order of second chronicles 7 mm-hmm. humble yourself pray seek my face turn from your wicked ways i think is significant mm-hmm. right this is yes. supposed to be done in a relationship 
with God. Amen. So like you said, this is our responsibility and we have to do it, but we're not going to be we're not going to have the right motivation to do it. Yes. Unless we're in this relationship with the mm-hmm. Lord. That's where the prayer and seeking God's face. Like as we look at the Lord and we gaze on him and see him, there's going to be the right motivation to cut these things off. Yeah. Yeah. For someone who's just taking some of these um, teachings of Jesus and is trying to be a good moral person, like, oh, I want to be free from sexual sin, but isn't looking for a relationship is going to be sorely disappointed because Mm. this kind of radical life is absolutely impossible in the flesh. This has to be empowered by the Spirit. And what you are saying is very, very important. Um, is that there is a, this is issuing out of a deep relationship and a love for Jesus. Jesus is not addressing the multitudes. He's addressing his followers. He's addressing those that love him. And um, so this is for those who are already in that relationship. And Jesus is showing how much he values that relationship through this. This is not um, some kind of crazy like legalistic thing you know this is demonstrating to us the value that he puts on the preciousness that this relationship between him and i is you know because this is so precious because this is of eternal value please do this (laughs) but it's on you um as a response of the love and and the mercy that i've shown you do this this is going to save you from eternal destruction. Okay, cool. I think that definitely covers it. I mean, that was four verses of Jesus' words, and (laughs) there's a lot there. (laughs) Certainly. Yeah, thanks for coming in. Absolutely. Hey, everybody, just a quick note before we wrap things up today. For the next two episodes, we're going to be taking a short break from this series, but then we'll be back and we'll be studying Titus chapter 2, verse 11, through chapter 3, verse 8, and 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 to 10. We're going to be looking at the true grace of God and the true love of God, so you won't want to miss it. We're so thankful that you've joined us on Purity for Life once again, and we'll see you next time. Purity for Life is a production of Pure Life Ministries. For over 30 years, Pure Life Ministries has been the go-to for those whose lives have been devastated by sexual sin. Visit us on the web for more information about our life-changing counseling programs and powerful teaching materials. Also check out our video clips of men and women whose lives have been radically transformed. All that and more at purelifeministries.org.